Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on our Neanderthal mind. We dive deep into why what our Neanderthal ancestors did to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock millions of years. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolano. Okay, cave dwellers, welcome back. As I mentioned in the last episode, these next few episodes are going to be a revisit of the awesome conversations I've had with the past guests. I'm going to recap the episode then dive a little deeper into the topics discussed with my experts during during those conversations. I hope you have enjoyed these past 11 episodes even half as much as I have enjoyed creating them for you. I'm actively looking for guests to sit down with me and have even more discussions about our awesome ancestors. So, if you know of anyone, or if you would like to be a guest on the show, please fill out the questionnaire so we can get the process started. At the end of this episode, I'm going to ask a favor of my cave dwellers, so stick around, even if you get bored. If you do get bored, I apologize. I need you, my cave dweller community, to keep the wheels on the cart to help grow this podcast. I absolutely love finding new guests to bring to your ears on a weekly basis, and I hope we, cave dwellers, can keep those guests coming on the Neanderthal mind for years to come. Okay, enough of my soapbox rant. In episode one, we sat down with Joe, Neanderthal Joe Lawler, to discuss his love and fantastic ability for creating beautiful and exquisite flint-napped tools and weapons the way our Neanderthal ancestors did many, many millennia ago. I will do my best to reference sites I have obtained my info from in the show notes. Of course, in the age we live in, anyone can find the info about the subjects we discussed by a simple internet search. During the conversation with Neanderthal Joe, he mentioned a few times flint napping, Levois style, and Moisterian Neanderthal sites. So let's get into flint napping. And again, these are just going to be brief definitions of the word. So flint napping. Napping is the shaping of flint, chert, obsidian, or other conchoidal fracturing stone through the process of lithic reduction to manufacture stone tools, wares, and weapons. One of the napping styles is known as Levallois style. The Levallois technique is a name given by archaeologists to a distinctive type of stone napping developed by our early human ancestors. Named after 19th century finds of flint tools in the Levallois Pere, Pere, 
suburb of Paris, France. So, a lot of these words I'm going to have issues pronouncing because I don't speak much French, which seems to be the origin of a lot of these words. So, bear with me with that. Uh, I'll have them in the show notes. So if there was anything that I mispronounced, at least you'll have the proper spelling in order to look up a more in-depth definition of that word. So in the conversation, another word that popped up a few times is moisterian. Moisterian is a set frame of time used to date early human fossil discoveries. Uh, The time range is from 160,000 to 40,000 years ago. Another time frame Neanderthal Joe mentioned is the Oldowan. Oldowan represents a time range from 2.6 to 1.7 million years ago. A few other words mentioned during our conversation with Neanderthal Joe is Clovis Point, Debitage, and red ochre. So, Clovis point. Clovis points are thin, fluted projectile points created using bifacial percussion flaking. Which, when you listen to the episode, Neanderthal Joe goes into a slightly more in depth dep- definition of a bifacial percussion flaking, which is known as flint napping, basically. Typically associated, anyways, the uh, Clovis points are typically associated with throwing and or thrusting spears. So if you look at the uh, Neanderthal weapons uh, or ancient or early human weapons uh, that they used for hunting, um, the Clovis points are the longer pointy flint-napped stones that they would uh, attach to the end of a long rod which they would use as either a throwing spear or a thrusting spear. Uh, Let's see, debitage. Debitage is all the material produced during the process of lithic reduction and the production of of chipped stone tools. Basically, it's the waste pile of stone flakes created during flint napping. Now, a lot of the times, uh, as Joe had mentioned, flint nappers will go into those debitage piles to pick out stones that still have some potential uh, to be created into a weapon or a tool of some sort. Again, using flint napping. Uh, Joe explained uh, a few techniques used to nap the stones. Uh, Those techniques were the hard hammer method, typically used to produce larger flakes of stone, which then would be turned into smaller tools and weapons. Larger, harder rocks and stones were used with this method. Uh, This method of manufacture is believed to have been used to make some of the earliest stone tools ever found, some of which date from over 2 million years ago. Uh, The other method is the soft hammer technique, 
used for more precise napping, which allows the napper to shape the stone into different types of cutting and scraping tools and weapons. This method refers to the amount of strength applied to the stone to create your masterpiece. One last technique is pressure flaking. Pressure flaking is the most precise method used the most to create an extremely sharp and refined edge around the stone tip. This method is the most decisive method for how your tool or weapon turns out. Antler tines were mostly used with this method. So getting away from the flint napping side of things, the other uh, thing that uh, Joe had mentioned was red ochre. Uh, he had talked about uh, getting into experimenting with red ochre. Basically what red ochre is, is a natural clay earth pigment, and it ranges in color from yellow to deep orange or brown. A variant of ochre containing a large amount of hematite or dehydrated iron oxide has a reddish tint known as red ochre. We assume it was regularly used to paint the Neanderthals' bodies red, uh, dye their animal skins, coat their weapons, and sprinkle the ground of their dwellings, and that a paste of ochre was used to decorate for decorative purposes in every phase of their domestic, their domestic life. Well, cave dwellers, that is my take on our conversation with Neanderthal Joe. I hope you have enjoyed this recap, and I hope you continue to tune in. Join me next week when we recap, when we recap the conversation we had with the autistic Neanderthal, Frank Ludwig. And don't forget, you can go back and download any episodes you may have missed. It is appreciated more than you can imagine. And like I said in the beginning, I would like to ask a favor from you, my cave dwellers. If you could, please recommend this podcast to just one of your friends and ask them to recommend this podcast to one of their friends, other than you because you just recommended it to them. You know what I mean. But anyways, until next time, cave dwellers. Thanks for listening to the Neanderthal Mind podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you love what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your podcasts. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, please recommend the Neanderthal Mind to them. Until next week, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget to leave your cave drawings and comments on our wall at theneanderthalmind.com.